today we're, we're having a conversation around this thing called Journey Go. And just to let you know, that's that we call Journey Go is our global outreach. All right, so it's, it's, it's around the idea of missions. And when we talk about missions as a church, Journey Missions, okay, when we talk about Journey Missions, we really do mean both global and local. Journey Missions is both global and local. And so um, we have some great plans we're working on locally. Mike just had a great meeting with some partners, Journey Partners, to talk about um, local opportunities and new partnerships and ways we're going to be able to serve this year. So maybe between now and maybe partner night, we'll we'll have some opportunities to share that with you. I know we're working with our leader link uh, this month in February about some of those opportunities too. So we're hopefully going to have more for that. But today specifically, we're going to talk specifically about global outreach in terms of just our partners, our partners uh, that we have. The last time we did this was in 2021. Last time we talked about Journey Go was 2021. And, you know, I don't know if you guys remember 2021, uh, but it was there was something going on at that time. So <laughs> we was a shot in the dark. We didn't even know if we were going to be able to travel or whatever the case was. And we've done some small trips, uh, and we've done our very best to engage and keep our strategic global partners engaged uh, in mission work. But, um, yeah, this is we're excited about what it looks like uh, for us upcoming uh, this year. So I invited Mike to come just share a little bit of his heart uh, and just for us to share a little bit about our missions at Journey. Amen. Yes, sir. So we'll go back to this summer. Uh, Matt and I had known each other a little bit, and he invited me to breakfast. And uh, we're sitting there talking, and he says, I have this role at Journey, and it's over groups and volunteers and some stuff around Sunday morning. And then we, almost to the end of the breakfast, like, oh, there's one other thing. It's not really on the job description. Separate sermon, different day, <laughs> stuff that's not on my job description. Like, the first week I had to show up with a saw. So that, that's been a... That's been an interesting job description development plan we have. I said oh missions, but it's only because we hadn't done anything That's with missions in a while. That's why it wasn't like it was an afterthought. It was just it wasn't on the paper. <laughs> so so anyway. So anyway, that's a big part of my heart, yes. right? And I'm going to talk a little bit about why that is. Um, so last week at the end, when I was doing the announcements, we had y'all raise hands like who had gone locally, who had served, who had served internationally, and who had never served. And thankfully, like two thirds of the people that were here last week raised their hands that they'd done one or the other. And I was like, that's, that's awesome. So I wondered what it looks like for Christians across the country. Like, so I looked, at, looked up some information, and the Barna Group has looked at that. So what they found was only 11% of American Christians have chosen to go on an international missional experience. Only 11% of all of them ever, right? So when we look at that, they went a little bit deeper, and they, they, just, they found out that of that 11%, only 50% of that 11% have gone in the last five years. Mm. And of course, a lot of that has to do with the pandemic, right? But in the last five years, just a fraction of that 11%. We have more hands up than that, and I'm thankful for that. And that, those more hands being up is just super encouraging to me, because we're not starting from scratch. Mm. Like, the, the seed's already there. We just have the opportunity to water it, and we're going to dump a bunch of water on it for the, for the next 30 minutes or so. So uh, as I look at those four groups, and I see folks that have served locally, ser folks that have served internationally, folks that have done both, awesome, and folks that have never served missionally, I was all four of those at one point in my life. And early on, I was raised in a home. I started thinking about my evolution, like my evolution to mission. How did that happen in me? It's there, but how did it get there? And part of when I was growing up, my lens was different. I was raised in a home where we were, at the very least, told to ignore 
or very most told to distrust people that didn't look like us or people didn't think like mm. us, people that didn't act like us. And that was a generational thing in my family. And for me to break that, I had to get out of my environment. I had to be exposed to life outside of the environment that I was raised in. So right after high school, I joined the military. And when I, when I got in, I said, they give you this list of stuff you could choose from, like what bases are you interested in going to and what jobs are you interested in Side note, they have no intention. <laughs> like, like, that's cute, right? Because <laughs> that 18-year-old kid knows what the, he should be doing, right? So they let you fill those out, and I said, basically, I just, I didn't want to go overseas, and I didn't want to be in the medical field whatsoever. So six months later, I'm a medic yep. in Europe. <laughs> so that's life outside of my environment, mm-hmm. right? So I'm around people that, don't think or act like me anymore. And you know when you go to the eye doctor when they switch it between the different lenses, was it better like this or like that? So I'd had the same lens the first 18 years of my life. And then I started seeing these glimpses, and it, it was like as quick as the eye doctor. Like it was, see that? That's different, and that's okay. And then I'd go back to my old lens. So that was a process for me. But then uh, later in life, I began my walk with Christ. And one verse just changed everything for me. And it was one super early in my walk, and it was Micah 6.8. And what that verse says is, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So it's real important to look at the verses just before that. So verses one through five, basically, God's just outlining, I've done this for you, I've rescued you from this. I provided this for you. Showing the great things he's done for his people over time. But then verse 6 and 7, it gets, in Micah, it starts talking about, well, how are we supposed to thank you for that? How are we supposed to honor you for that? And he just starts rambling. Like, do you need burnt offerings? Do you need a thousand rams? Do you need rivers of olive oil? That's not even a thing. Like, who? you can't get rivers of olive oil, but they're so overwhelmed by what God's done, like, we're going to offer things we can't even do because we don't know how to think. And it's rapid fire. You've been around that person before that asks you more questions than you have a chance to answer. So that's what he's doing. And even the last one, child sacrifice. You want my firstborn? Is that, is that what you want? And then God's just, I need you to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. So to act justly is to do justice, right? So to treat others fairly, to treat them like you'd want to be treated, to not judge them, to not ignore them. And then to love mercy. Mercy is compassion. So show compassion, but not just show it. Love mercy. Love. Fall in love with showing compassion and see what he does with that. And then walk humbly kind of hit me differently this week. As I look at walking humbly, why do we walk humbly? It's because we remember what he's done for us, just like the verses in Micah early on, all the things he's done for his people there, all the things he's done for us already. And Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. So being humble is the <clears throat> antithesis of being prideful. Charles Spurgeon, a long time ago, did a sermon on this very verse, on Micah 6.8. And he asked the questions, when should we walk humbly? And he outlines it for us. When we're spiritually strong, when we're at work, 
in all your motives, easy one. When studying his word, when we're under trials, be, be humble. When we're with the body of Christ, when we're with fellow believers, when we're with people that don't know him, we're called to be humble. So what resonated with me with that was that he's not asking for a specific type of offering for this. He's asking for a specific type of person, a specific heart. So how do I live that out? I had to ask myself that question much the way it's asked in Micah. And he had to break my heart for what breaks his. And that's what I want for our church. I don't want us to just do programs and activities that look good online, right? I want us to prayerfully go in with our time, energy, and effort and serve where he calls us to serve. And so after four years of being on the sidelines from an international perspective, like, we have an opportunity. And I feel this missional inertia. Like, if you talk to somebody here at Journey that's gone, you talk to them, you ask them one question, you're in for 20 minutes because their heart is pouring out. They can't wait to share with you. Yeah. So that's already part of the fabric of our church, and I, I love, love, love that. So early on, Matt asked me, he says, what's your kind of your vision for mission? For mission? I was like, you know, it's, it's really dirty shirts. I want us to get our shirts dirty. I want us to be out there serving people and coming back with our shirts filthy. Like if we walk into a store, they're going to be like, what, what just happened to you? And they're like, I'm glad you asked. And we're doing it again next Wednesday. So that's kind of my heart, and that dirty shirts is where I'm trying to take us. Yeah. We're trying to figure out how to get dirty shirts for sale at some point. And, uh, you know, but then I, that's such an American thing to, like, get a pre-dirty shirt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pre, pre-dirty shirt versus get it dirty yourself. So anyway. For the price uh, of a cup of coffee. I picked them on Americans. That's North Americans. That's everybody that's in the West. True. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and as he was talking, it is true, like, uh, going back to the big, big heart behind the, the missions of Journey, uh, and I've shared a few of these things b- before, but, you know, we have to have a, a, a global perspective, especially when it comes to the things of God. And that's just, w- hopefully that's something you'll recognize as a part of our church uh, that we constantly try to do. This is a great quote that I found years ago. We must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God, Amen. right? And it's hard to challenge or even cultivate a healthy worldview when you have never visited the world, right? When you've never gone outside of your own, your own bubble, right? And that's, and that's a reality. The, the truth of the matter is, is that um, for many of you, whether it's, you know, and I'm not really talking about vacations or resorts, but when it comes to kingdom work in the world, it's very difficult to, to challenge your own worldview when you've never actually physically had it challenged. You've never actually physically had a challenge. So here's a couple uh, things that we believe as a church. This is, we have opportunity to train church planters and, and pastors um, through our church and through a couple programs we're a part of. But we take this with us, with our missional partners. I've taught this in Kenya, in Peru, in Haiti, in the DR. Some of the DNA of a healthy church. And, uh, and again, these aren't bumper stickers you'll find for Journey, but these are just the underlying principles for any church that's really tied into what God's doing. Two principles that I'll share with you. One is that His glory is greater than our story. You've probably heard me say that once or twice, but that's a big principle. His glory is greater than our story. And the second is that every believer is a missionary right? And so hopefully you've experienced some of that. Again, being a part of Journey, you're not going to hear, you don't hear messages here, and at least not, not from us, like we're not going to hear messages about your, your best life now, or how to manifest, you know, your destiny that God wants for you. Like, 
you know, great yay for those, but the, the, we, we look at a global perspective and look at our lives and say, our lives are a part of God's story. And they're a part of his glory. And how in the world is he going to get glory from our lives if we think our story is more important, right? So like, that's a baseline thing. Like His glory in this earth is greater than our story, no matter how influential and affluential we become, especially here in the West. But we also believe that every believer is a, is a missionary, that every believer has the, the, the call, as we state in our mission outside, like to po- humbly point others to the absolute hope of Jesus, right? Like that's, that's a call on everyone. That's not just a church directive as an organizational directive. It is, a, it is our desire that it's an individually lived out mission that we corporately celebrate and we corporately see together when the, when the body comes together. And we've lots of scripture that kind of calls us to go and to do, and I mean, the great commission to commission with one another to share the gospel, that's a big part of it. But one of the ones that I share with a lot of church planters is, is from Matthew 9, uh, 35. Matter of fact, that's our read-along passage um, uh, today. And so I'm going to actually read from the Bible app. Um, again, we're going to read the uh, NIV, the New, in- New International Version translation. Um, I want to read this for you. If you have your own version, you can read along as well. Matthew 9, and we're going to start in verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing diseases and sickness, or healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, just to let you know, the Hebrew words, the Hebrew language is extremely descriptive, and Matthew was kind of written initially in we some of the copies in Hebrew so that you could, uh, to the Hebrew people, to the, to the Jewish people. So when you think about this, like several translations use different words, but think about the Hebrew language. It means all of these things. He says, Jesus had compassion. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless. That's the NIV. The, the Holman Christian Standard says they were weary and worn out. Uh, the New Living says uh, confused and helpless. The, SB, uh, the CSB says distressed and dejected. The message paraphrases confused and aimless. Right? Like, the, like just to give you the breadth of that, like the, whatever Hebrew words they're using there, you know, mean all these things. And Jesus sees this, and, and, and the result is compassion. Now, let me keep reading. Verse 37, he says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Send out workers into his harvest field. The result that I I point back to is that it has to begin with the heart. It has to begin with our heart seeing others, as, as Mike said earlier, seeing others the way Jesus sees them. And I'll be honest with you, especially when it comes again to sort of the Western lens of the worldview, it's far too easy for us to see the rest of the world kind of through the lens of our preferred news channel, right? We, we see the corrupt governments and we see the, the, the evil acts of, of certain people, or maybe it's a sect of people from a, from a region or, or from part of the world. And, and I understand that, but, 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 but most of us don't ever get past that to be able to see others and to see the world and the people in the world as God sees them as harassed by the enemy, as helpless on their own, not, not in terms of government help, I'm talking about like helpless on their own in terms of sin, in terms of hope, and that it's our job, it's our job 
to share that message and to share that absolute hope with them. And so part of what we do as a church is talk about how we do that. And, and I use two words just as a strategy for, for people. Our leaders have heard this, again, more, way more often. These are not things we, we, you know, we don't try to put everything on a bumper sticker or, you know, on the wall at the church, but share and serve. This is kind of the, the strategy. How do we do that? I want everyone at the church to know that no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's, if you're a part of Journey Church, there are two things you can always do, right? You can share hope and you can serve others in need, period. That's what you can always do, to live out the commission and to live out what God wants for your life, to share hope, to share who Jesus is, and to serve others who have needs. That's, that's what we're called to do. And so I, I kind of thought today, we've done lots of different things, and if you would go online, you can see some stuff. We've shared people's stories. We've had uh, leaders of organizations come and share about what we do. We've had people share their own testimonies of going on trips. Again, Mike said, if you just ask people, who, you know, their, their experience, they'll tell you uh, what experience they have. But I thought today would be good just for Mike and I, since Mike is new to our team, and just for you to hear from us, like some of the experiences we've had uh, on our mission experiences as we've gone, gone to share, uh, share the love of Christ and share the hope and serve others uh, in need. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Um, you'll see a picture in a second of my first mission trip to Honduras, but I have a friend, uh, it's a pastor in Zambia, his name is Percy Muleba. And he said, I asked him, what does it look like to go on mission? Why, do you, why should people go on mission? What's the calling? And he said, when you go on mission, you get to see another side of God's face. So you get to see another people, another culture. You get to hear another story and have a new experience. I love the way he said that. He says lots of cool stuff like that. <laughs> um, but my first trip in Honduras, this is it, um, just briefly. The bottom left is when we started the building. The bottom right is what the buildings look like now, and that's the team that I went with uh, several years ago. Um, so the way I went, um, I had never had any desire. There was no family history where we'd go on mission. Like, that wasn't a thing. I was very comfortable giving 50 bucks for buddies to go, right? Um, but a friend of mine, I was walking into church. He was walking out, a guy named Mike Contis. Um, Mike was suffering from terminal cancer. He had been to Honduras several times. And uh, he was walking towards me. He goes, hey, man, you know I can't go. You know I'm too sick to go. Um, I need you to go for me. I need you to be my hands and feet. His words, my hands and feet. Then he said, I'm pulling the cancer card on you. <laughs> His words again. I'm like, how do you say no to Mike? So, so I said yes then, mm. like in the moment. And then for a series of weeks leading up to the trip, the enemy was all in my business, telling me you shouldn't go, you can't go, and just stirring me up, telling me not to go, but I went. And about day three, when I'm there, I'm, I'm next to the orphanage, next to that building, just to the right of that building. And I'm looking off into the field, and I just say thank you once to God. Like I, I'm not even sure what I was thanking him for. Maybe it was the plane landing. I don't really know, but then <laughs> sometime between eight seconds and ten minutes, I just said thank you over and over. I really don't know how long it was, but I had this, like, surreal, like, slideshow going on in my head, like, and he's just showing me, not unlike what he talked about in the first verses in, in Micah, where I saved you from this, mm. I protected you here, I provided for you here, and, and, and here you are. And that was an unforgettable moment for me, to the point that I got baptized in Honduras a year later. And so the Holy Spirit used a friend to draw me the first time, to, to give me a new experience, to change my walk. 
Um, and full circle, you know, this, we just sang, the enemy meant for evil, but you turn it for good. Mike passed away, but his wife's a missionary in Europe right now. And then, unbelievably, the nurse that took care of him on his last day, the day I was there, is here at Journey. I didn't know her, but we talked today. So, blew my doors off. But we, we get a chance to share. Yeah. And him sharing with me the first time is what got me to go. Um, Acts 1.8 is one of the verses, was one of our like, focus verses for that week when we went. And it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and I'll stop there for a second. So Jerusalem, so close to you, maybe it's in your four walls at your house. And then Judea, a little bit farther out. Samaria, different. People that think and act maybe look differently than you do. But then the ends of the earth. Hmm. And so for me, so far, the ends of the earth has been Honduras. And I love the so far part of that because we'll see what he does next. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking through, even Mike shared that story with me before about his first trips. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about my first trips and my first experiences. And, and the story I'm going to share with you really quickly is, is again, it's making light of me, but... Um, you know, I don't blend well, if you didn't know that already. Okay, so, I mean, you know, in the States, in the West, it's not, it's not that bad. But, um, like, I'll never forget going to Peru. This is in 2016. I went to uh, Juanico, Peru with our, with our team, and uh, we, we had a unique situation. We were gonna get, I was going to be able to preach, and we were leading worship at a local church. And so we were all dressed up and walking through downtown Juanico. And I'm up front with the, the, the translator and, you know, trying to follow where we're going to eat because we're eating. And so, but, but the rest of the team is like walking behind me and they are watching just this entire town zero in and stare at me the whole time. Right. And I, and I get it, you know, I mean, what's not to look at, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I get that. Right. But, uh, but it, it, I'll be honest with you. It kind of took me to that idea that, you know, people spend their whole life trying not to be noticed sometimes, you know what I'm saying? People spend their whole life trying. The worst thing is to stand out like that. And I remember my first trip. Listen, my first trip, this is, uh, this is to Kenya. My first trip ever, missions trip ever, was to the furthest thing we do, like to Kenya back in 2013. And uh, it was an amazing experience, what we do in Kenya. I'll share a little bit more of the details later. But, um, uh, you know, the kids, I mean, to, the, to them, I was just a giant. I mean, they just looked at me. They thought I was like a luchador wrestler, just didn't have a mask on, you know. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of what they envisioned, right? And, uh, but we were in the middle of town towards the middle of the end of the week. And, and, uh, and, 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 and you know, we're walking. As a, we were a small group at the time with the staff at the TKP. And <laughs> this guy was pointing at me. You know, pointing at me and speaking in Ma, I found out it was the, the tribal language, the Maasai language. He's pointing and talking to you. Now, we'd already been called Mazungas and all sorts of things because we're white people and, you know, you stand out, right? But he's pointing and talking and I didn't know what he was saying. And, you know, we're trying to handle it delicately and the interpreter's talking. And he finally looks at me and says, oh, okay. He says, he's, uh, he says, you're a lion among leopard, or you're a leopard among lions. That's what he says. He says, you're a leopard among lions. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you. You know, I mean, I didn't know how to respond to that. And, and it did kind of stick with me because he left and we're talking a little bit. And later on, I, I asked the interpreter, I said, wait, wait, I said wait what second. was that? So if you were a wrestler, you'd be the Canadian, Canadian leopard. leopard. Canadian that's, leopard. Yeah, that's, okay. That would be a very that's good. Cool. 
we got to come up with a shirt or something. Okay, anyway, all right. So something will happen. That, <laughs> something's going to happen. So, so I asked the interpreter, I said, hey, what, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know. This is my first trip, okay? This is my first trip. I said, leopard among lions. He says, well, he says, it's not about your size. You know, like, he didn't, you know, I wasn't the elephant among gazelles, you know, kind of thing. Like, that's, he said, it had to do with your, it was a compliment. He said, it had to do with your stature. It had to do with your presence. It had to do with the fact that, that, that it commanded respect. And immediately I was like, but, he, but the part of that was, was that how much I stood out. Like how much I stood out from everyone. And so I actually wrote this in my journal. Later on, I, I shared it. I probably shared this years ago, but I wrote down this in my journal. To stand apart isn't always bad. To stand apart for the right reasons can be good. But God calls us to stand out for him, not with our ego or physical appearance, but in humility and love. Mm -hmm. And uh, it reminded me of the verse I wanted to share, 1 Peter 2.9. Uh, you're a chosen people, you're a royal priesthood and a holy nation, you're, very, you're, you're God's own possession. And it says, and as a result of this, you can show others the goodness of God, right? For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I just began to think again about that challenge of, you know, the reason we're called to stand out. The King James Version said it calls us a peculiar people, right? A peculiar people. The reason it's okay to stand out for him is because, because we are called to show people and to share with people the goodness of God and the hope that comes from only him. And again, I, I, I think about people who, like immediately right now, your skin kind of tingles because like to, to stand out at all is not what you ever want. And yet I'm like, you know what though? You, you may need to. Like not only are we called to stand out for him, but you may need to physically go somewhere where you stand out among a very different culture so that you can understand that there is something special about that. And there's something special that God gives you the opportunity to be able to do and to stand out in that way. Love that. Um, I want to share a little bit about my Honduras experience. I'm going to introduce you to somebody. Uh, her name is Anna. You'll see her picture here in a second. So when we first started going to the orphanage, there were six kids plus the house parents and their baby uh, in a, about a thousand square feet. But we've since built the orphanage that you saw in the earlier picture. And one of those kids was Anna. So we were sitting. I could speak a little bit of Spanish. I can get us into or out of trouble, depending on <laughs> the mood that I'm in. But we were talk, speaking in English. All the guys were talking and were laughing. And she starts laughing. I was like, wait a minute. And I went over to her. I said, you understand what we're saying? And then she was just like, I'm busted, right? And she, she's giving me this look. And then, so years later, fast forward a little bit, she left the orphanage. She's 18. She aged out. She left the orphanage. Um, but I had a relationship with her. I had a relationship that continued on past her time in the orphanage. And you can see the picture here. I uh, had the blessing of being able to have my wife spend time with her. My daughter met her this summer, which is awesome. So even though she's not in the orphanage, when we go to church in Honduras, she comes to see us at church, which I love. So she, I got an email from her, or a message from her back in October. And she says, hey, um, I really want your help. I'm in love. I want to get married. Um, I need your help to do that. We need to pay for a wedding. I'm like, well, I don't have a whole lot, but <laughs> what, like, talk to me about paying for a wedding. She goes, yeah, the whole thing costs $75. <laughs> I'm like, that's like two dozen eggs. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, <laughs> can totally do that, right? So I'm like, $75, done. So I, I sent it to her. And then wow. she sends me pictures of her wedding, like the day of her wedding, because she was so full of so much joy. And so I got, her to go, got to see her go from an orphan mm -hmm. to a wife and a mother, and I never would have had that opportunity um, if 
if I hadn't gone to serve. And a verse that really rings true for me here is 1 John 3, 18 and 19. And it says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. And the verse just before that says, if you see a brother in need and you shut your heart from him, how can God abide in you? Real convicting verse for me. So we don't just want to just talk about love. We don't want to, we want to serve them out of love. We don't want to shut our hearts. We don't want to just say it. We want to get our shirts dirty, right? We want to show it. And when we get in the pattern of showing it, it ends up changing us and how we see things. I'm going to share this next verse with you before I share the story, primarily because as we were talking about that, I mean, I love that story, especially when Mike first shared it with me, like 75 bucks, like so good. That um, is actually the budget for my daughter's wedding. That's very yeah. smart. That's very yeah. smart. I think that's yeah, brilliant. So she's Absolutely. excited too. Uh, <laughs> if you look at Galatians 5, 13, um, this is another one of those verses in terms of our call to share and serve. It says, you've been called to live in freedom, dear brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use that freedom to serve one another and love. And I love this verse because it's so, so driven at the just heart of me that, that, Matt, all this freedom, all this blessing, everything that you've been given is not for you. Like, it's not, it's not to self-indulge, you know? It's not to self-indulge. It's, it's for others. It's for God to use in and through uh, me. And so uh, one of the stories that came to mind was this past uh, trip. I went to Kenya again. This is 2019. And um, it was a really unique trip for us. We got to, they dedicated a, one of the new buildings for one of the campuses. Again, we served the schools and the church. And through the church and the schools, they were able to do health and opportunity for the community and just holistic change in families. But what you'll see is we, we had a, a building uh, because of Journey's partnership, uh, they, with Journey and, Matt and my name on it, and the, the kind of dedicated, it was awesome. Um, and then another really great experience was we we got to have this really cool ceremony um, where we were given our honorary Maasai names. Okay, we were given these honorary uh, Maasai's the tribe. We were all given these honorary Maasai names, and mine is uh, Lake Ishan. That's that was my name. So we're going through the we're going through the um, the, the process, and people are getting their names, and some some names are so cool. It's just like, you're called this and every name means something. It's like, you know, Hawk Warrior, you know what I'm saying? Please like it's say all, it's Canadian Leopard. Canadian Leopard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that would have been great, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, they're, they're given these really cool names and then um, they came to me and, and, and <laughs> David, who's an elder, he says, uh, here's your name. And they prayed about it and they're like, here's your name. It's Lake Keyshawn. And he said, Lake Ishan is the owner of many things, the owner of all things. And it says, and everyone loves him and everyone loves to, to come together and celebrate uh, with him. And I was just like, yay. You know, <laughs> like, all right. I, I kind of like the sound of that. You know, it was really cool. Uh, and then when I was talking to him later, he kind of like kind of spelled it out. He said, look, the reason that, that people love Lake Ishan, the reason that the, that the, the community uh, celebrates with him is because his wealth, his, his, the thing that he's been blessed with, he uses to bless the community. He's like, that's the reason that they celebrate with him is because he's the one giving and able to give to benefit everyone. And I was just like, yeah, that's, that's challenging because I spend far more of my life self-indulging. 
that I do living up to in honor of a name that I want to be, I want to honor that name. I want to honor the fact that, listen, people can celebrate because, you know, just because of their relationship with me, their life is better. Their life is better, but not because of my worldly wealth, not because of my worldly owning of anything, but because of Jesus, right? I want, I want the blessing of God in my life, the freedom that comes from Christ to be the thing that people remember about me. And when they come together or when they're, you know, we're able to get together and we're able to, to, to celebrate things together, I want them to celebrate with me because of that, because mm-hmm. of Jesus in my life. And that's, that's, again, that's just a reminder for me. I had the artwork done uh, with the name just so that I could keep it on my desktop, keep it on my phone, and just know that, hey, I, I want to be worthy of that name. I want to be, be someone that does this with God, that, that I am able to just live that out as I share and serve with others. So I asked Mike, we're going to take just a couple minutes to share here at the end about what's next, like what's coming up um, that we can, as a church, be a part of and individually take some steps in. Yeah, so as I think of that, you know, these are all opportunities yep. that we had. So we have some opportunities uh, for journey in 2023. And what that, those opportunities look like, there's 55 seats available, 55 seats on the bus or the plane or the church van or whatever we end up taking <laughs> to these different places. And we're working with three different organizations this year. We're adding a fourth one, one that we already have a relationship with in 2024. But kind of wanted to walk through each of those four with you real quick and kind of explain what the opportunities are and just Aside it really quick, we got, we're on the cusp of doing some really cool stuff locally, so if that's something that's on your heart too, please reach out to me. I would mm-hmm. love to dig in with you on that. Now, the first one is ASP, the Appalachia Service Project. So I love their motto. It's warmer, safer, drier. And for me, I, I was fortunate enough to go this fall, and I put God's children ahead of each of those. So God's children warmer. Help keep God's children safer. Help keep God's children drier. And that's a lens thing, right? Because when you're serving, sometimes mm. you, you don't see it that way. Um, so they serve 25 communities in Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, West Virginia, Virginia. We went to Jonesville, Virginia last year, and my wife is a witness. Like, I am not handy. So actually, we went two guys that a lot of you know, Jim and Mark. I went with them. They are new witnesses mm-hmm. that I am not handy. And so like, they're like next level, like, like, they have tools. I don't even know what they're called. Like, and then Jim, he's right there. Like, he's got, a, like, a Batman utility belt, and he's no-looking stuff, and he's, like, got stuff going on. Like, I don't even know what you're doing. Just tell me what to cut, right? So, but my point is, yeah. we're, we're returning in fall of 2023, God yeah. willing, and that uh, you don't need to have a ton of experience to be able to go. We've got some great folks that uh, will love you through it. So, so the, the other one I want to share you, with you is new to Journey, but not new to me, uh, the Children's Impact Network. So Matt and I met with their leadership uh, via a Zoom call a few weeks ago, and I just, I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what God has for us. So I wanted to make sure that what they do aligns with Journey's heart, and, and Matt felt confident after we spoke to them. So they have orphanages in, in Honduras, in Chile, mm-hmm. in Bolivia. And they also have a home for the families of martyred pastors in Colombia. So they do some amazing work. Uh, so they have 28 kids there. Two weeks ago, they had 24 kids. Uh, last week, four new kids were rescued and, and home there. But we are going there July 22nd through 29th. The, it's already on the books. And we have an interest meeting February 19th after the second service, if anybody wants to jump in and check that out. 
Yeah, and he'll give you more instructions on where to go to find that information. But we're, we're going to continue to partner with uh, Peru uh, in Huanaco, Peru. We're going to go back again this summer. Um, and the dates for that are August 5th through the 12th. Um, now, just in Peru, we, we actually partner with an organization called Paz y Esperanza. Uh, they are international, but they have a, a, a portion of what they do down in Peru, specifically in co combination with the Hovde House, uh, help support women and children who uh, are there because of abuse, because of sexual abuse. And so um, they, they serve them not just at the Hovde House, but they serve, Paz y Esperanza serves them. Uh, through legal representation to get justice for uh, what they've been experiencing. They have pastoral staff. They have psychological care. And so um, we, support the, we support the organization, and we actually are able to support the Hovde House uh, where they actually are sheltered there as well. And so we're going back again this summer, all right? Um, and, the, and the interest meeting on that is going to be February 12th. So that's just a couple weeks away. So again, Michael will give you some instructions on how to find out more on all of that. Uh, I am also excited. We are going to go back to Kenya, to the Kilgoris Project. Our partnership with, their, uh, with them doesn't end, but we, uh, because of the size and scope of these trips, sometimes we can't get them all in uh, in one summer. And so we are definitely planning a trip in 2024 uh, back with the Kilgoris Project. And again, we serve a whole, uh, holistically the community uh, through education and health and opportunities there. And so um, we've been partnering with them for years, and I'm really excited. Uh, but if you want more information on that, we definitely want you to get that today. All right? I was fortunate enough to meet with one of the leaders of uh, Pazi Esperanza yeah. yesterday. We had lunch with her, and you can't meet her without wanting to go. So it was really cool. Um, so I want to share a metaphor with you guys, something that somebody shared with me a long time ago. So just do this, picture this with me. So there's children in a raging river, children out in a raging river. So to do something about that, we need some people that are willing to get wet to go in the water and go get these kids, right? Then we need people on the shore. I need to dry these kids off. I need to heal them. I need to make sure they're okay, right? And then a little bit farther back, you have somebody that has to say, why are all these kids in the water? Like, <laughs> there's a problem. There's a kid in the water problem. We have to address this, like the bigger picture, right? And then, and then one layer back from that is, all right, I have some resources. I can help all three of these mm. other folks get the kids out, help them heal, and stop the problem, right? Mm. So all of those are important, and none of it can happen without all of those. So when we talk about why we go on mission, the first verse I thought about when, Mitt, when uh, Matt talked about it was Revelation 7-9, and it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. We get to share and serve another side of God's face, as my friend Percy would say. We get to get another glimpse of the kingdom. Mm. So when we think about what our role is in it, as a church, what's our role? So our children in the river in 2023 is serving families that are struggling in rural Appalachia. Mm -hmm. It's helping rescued children in Honduras. It's healing, working with, to help heal the women and children that have been through some terrible things in Peru. And I love this quote. It says, the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. So, so we're not perfect, but 
No, we're not perfect. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was agreeing with that. Amen. But, Amen. but we're a great church. And this yeah. great church has 55 opportunities yeah. this year. And next year, hopefully, it's going to be more. So I'm super, super thankful for that. Yeah, and I was, I was, I was just telling Mike, as I was thinking about the, the, the sort of the action today, here's the reality. My, my heart is for you to say yes, okay? Yes to whatever that answer is to the question, what's your role, all right? Uh, it's a little bit easy to put off things, oh, I'll, uh, it's not a good year, um, I'm not in a good place, the kids are too young, the work doesn't, you know, it, it, there's too many things that you can go through your mind. The enemy can flood your mind right now with all the reasons that it is, it's not a good idea. Um, but the reality is, is that I, I just want you to pray through what God is prompting you in your heart to say, what's your role, right? Um, maybe it's finding out more information so that you can serve. Maybe it's finding out more information so you can have a long-term service project. Maybe it's finding out more information so you can go on a trip. Maybe that's finding out more information to help fund some of the things we're going to be doing on that uh, with that organization. So just just answer the question what your role is. Just be honest with God about what you feel like your role is. And then just say yes to it, no matter what it is. No matter what it is, say yes to it. And we're going to give you opportunities to get more information, to answer the questions that you have. Uh, but don't let it just end with a kind of a, a service like this or a story that you know, makes you feel good, you know what I'm saying? Like gives you the feels inside, like, oh, it's good. It's great to be a part of a church that does this globally. It's great to be a part of church where people go. Don't let it, don't let it stop there. I love mm. this quote. This mm. is from David Livingstone. It says, uh, the, uh, uh, sympathy is no substitute for action, right? Sympathy is no substitute for action. Like th- don't be satisfied with just having feelings about it. Answer the question. What's your role supposed to be this year? It's okay. Again, we need all, all of them. Amen. What's your role going to be this year? And then just say yes to the role. Say yes to what God is calling you to do. Let me, uh, before Mike gives us instructions on, on what we're going to do today as uh, we close out, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us uh, quickly. Let's pray. Father God, I am so very thankful that um, I've been able to experience some of these things, but even more so, God, I just continue to feel challenged to kind of wave the flag and, and invite as many people as possible to go and serve and to share the hope that you've given us with them, globally, locally. But God, there is something so special and so unique about going um, um, in a place that we stand out, in a place that, that is not our comfort and not our norm. So God, I'm praying today that, the, that you would just curb the the assault of the enemy in our ears and in our mind that is convincing us of all the reasons why we can't go. And God, just just let your spirit do a work in convincing us that we do have a role, you know, even no matter what that role is, and, and, and that we would all say yes to it. God, again, I, I, I'm just praying today that, 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 we would, that we would see the world as you see them, with compassion in your eyes. Don't let it just be a filtered lens and view from us, but God, give us conversations today. Give us experiences later this week. Just continue to do the things you need to do to point to us what our role is and what steps we can take to continue to go and to continue to serve and share the hope that you have. Amen. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.